My name is Whitney Klinke, and I'm the children's pastor here at Connect, and I've been up here a couple times now. Um, So if you guys are maybe new to Connect, or maybe this is your first time, I want to welcome you. Um, I have been the children's pastor here for a couple years now, about two and a half years. Um, Most of you have seen my family, have seen my kids running around. Unfortunately, most of my family is homesick today. So I am the last one standing. So I'm assuming for those of you who are are here have either been sick and now are over it or just have not been sick yet. So um, that's why I like the fist bumps today. Mm. Um, So my husband and I, we are actually getting ready to celebrate our 10-year anniversary. And then we have two kids together, our six-year-old daughter and then our five, excuse me, four-year-old little boy, Finn. So this morning, I want to take a few minutes and really focus on Finn, our little boy. So for those of you who maybe don't know him, um, or maybe that you follow me on Instagram or social media, you know that he's just kind of a complex character, okay? So he's a complex character. So he likes many things. He's, He's very into many things. So he loves sports. He loves all sports. He loves basketball, baseball, football, hockey. He literally loves every single sport. His two favorite teams are, of course, the Washington Panthers and then the New York Yankees. He loves the Yankees. That's what he calls them. Um, He loves building things. He loves tools. And actually, if you, for some reason, need a wrench, go find Finn. He's probably got one in his pocket, and he will let you borrow it for real. He probably has one. Um, And then he also really loves country music, okay? He loves singing country music, playing country music with his guitar, his hat, his boots. Um, His favorite artist is Hank Williams. He he will sing anything Hank Williams, and he knows literally it word for word. Um, And if you ask him, if you ask him, what is your goal in life? If you go up to Finn and say, what do you want in life? What do you want to be when you grow up? He will look you straight in the eyes, and he will say, I'm going to sing at the Grand Old Opry. That's what he wants to do. He wants to sing at the Grand Old Opry, and you know what? I will support him along the way. So, but I would say his biggest interest, his biggest passion overall is changing. And what I mean by changing is I mean he changes his outfit all day long. And when I mean all day long, I literally mean all day Long. Okay, so I want to kind of give you an idea of uh, what a day in the life of Finn looks like, okay? So he wakes up from bed and um, he immediately go changes his clothes, okay? He obviously wasn't feeling his pajamas, what he wore that night. His first outfit change can be anywhere from um, a sweatpants to a sweatshirt to literally a three-piece suit. We don't know what we're going to see until he comes down the stairs. And then he goes and eats breakfast. And then right after breakfast, he goes and changes again which I kind of understand this one because I feel like he's been, he's been sitting there and he's been contemplating over breakfast what he wants to wear that day, so he changes. Then he probably has at least two more outfit changes before preschool. We do not let him do an outfit change at school. That's something we do not condone. Um, but then as soon as he comes home, he runs upstairs and he changes, okay? I'm literally not kidding. So this outfit I find is more of a comfortable outfit because he's been in his his cowboy boots, his big belt buckle at school. I I kind of understand something comfortable. Okay, so he goes home, or he doesn't go home, and then after school he runs upstairs and he changes again. And then we have dinner, and then um, after dinner we probably, we try to do showers, so we put him in his pajamas. Literally five minutes later he's in another outfit. Now, this literally can be anything comfortable to like a vest, a tie, a a bow tie, literally can be anything. And then we finally change him back to his pajamas, and then we turn around and he's in other pajamas. And we're like, 
did we put you in those pajamas? Did, did you change your pajamas? What was wrong with your pajamas? Like, I don't understand, like we're so confused. But honestly, with all of those changes, he also likes to spring, sprinkle in, and as you can see here, some costumes. Okay, so there's sprinkling of costumes. So we have a race car driver, we have a Power Ranger, we have Catboy, we have wigs, we have mustaches, we have everything. Literally, this is all the time. But he's four years old, and he has a vivid and wild imagination, and that's what I love about him. But I will tell you, my favorite costume of all is when he's not wearing one, and he's just Finn. When he's just Finn. He doesn't have a mask on. He doesn't have a wig on. He is just our little fun-loving boy that is funny and loves to cuddle. This is who I love the most. He doesn't have anything on, and he's not trying to be a character. But like I said, he's four, and he has a vivid imagination. But don't we as adults kind of wear masks too a little bit? We have our mask that we put on. And maybe it's one mask that we wear every single day. Maybe it's multiple masks that we wear, depending on who we're with and who we're seeing and um, where we're going. But we kind of do the same thing, right? And what mask do we wear? What mask do we wear? And I'm saying we because I get it. I'm just as convicted as all of us. What mask do we wear? Is it um, the mask that our marriage is literally perfection? Like we literally have the perfect marriage. We never fight. We never disagree on anything. I'm sorry if you're one of those couples. You literally can just lead a marriage retreat because your marriage is so perfect. Is, um, are you wearing the mask that your children are angels? Literally, your children are angels. They do nothing wrong, and whatever you tell them to do, they do it that second. Is it the mask that you literally are so financially secure that you literally have the nicest house, the nicest car, and you just are the picture of just perfection? Is it you're 100% healthy, and is it ha you're happy all the time? Like, what mask do we wear? And how about when someone comes up to you? Maybe you come in here on a Sunday, and someone comes up to you and says, hey, how are you doing? And you're wearing your mask and you're smiling and you're saying, thank you, I'm, I'm good. I'm amazing, I'm hashtag blessed, everything's great. But really inside you're like, I'm horrible, I'm literally horrible. I just, my husband and I got in a horrible fight last night. We literally don't get along, I don't even know who he is anymore. You just screamed at your kids on the way here because they were acting, I don't know, maybe like little jerks, which sometimes they do, you know? But you know, what is it? Is it literally you are so far up to debt, literally you just feel like you're drowning? Is it you're unhealthy but you don't wanna tell anybody what's going on? Is it, is it, are you screaming, will I ever be happy? Is that even in the carts for me? What are you screaming inside when your outside is saying, I'm great, everything is great? And I have a question for you. And this is a, a serious question. What would happen? What would happen if we took off our mask and we sat it down? If we took off our mask and we sat it down? Because this is what our series is about. It's love is for losing. Love is for losers. We have to lose something in order to gain something else. Whether that be a healthy relationship or becoming closer to somebody. So what happens if we take off the mask and we lose it? Would we look imperfect? Would we look less than? Would we look completely different than what our mass says that we are? Yeah, we, we for sure would. So there's a risk. There's a risk when you take off the mask. And dare I say the, the V word, people, vulnerable? Ugh, like I, I hate saying that word. Like I literally, it gives me like, it makes my skin crawl a little, little bit. 
vulnerability. And honestly, the only reason I'm up here is because Dave couldn't even say the word with his accent. Literally, we tried so many times. I'm like, vulnerability. Like, so this is literally the only reason why I'm up here because he could not handle what this message was about. Vulnerability, the word is scary. But you know what? The definition's even scarier. And I've never looked up the definition until um, I was preparing this message. It's the quality or state of being exposed, of being attacked or harmed. Okay, that's even scarier. The word vulnerability is scary, and then the definition is even scarier. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. When we resist vulnerability, we actually deny the people close to us a chance to really get to know us. When we resist vulnerability, we deny the people close to us a chance to really get to know who we are. And that's even scarier. Now, I know as a Christian, as as a Jesus follower, we know that the number one thing is our relationship with God. That is our number one focus. But we also know as a Jesus follower, another important thing is our relationship with others, right? He designed us for relationship and and for connection. Yet some of us feel disconnected, unknown, and maybe alone. So when I was putting this message together, um, I found a recent survey that was given to 20,000 Americans, and it was conducted by Cigna Healthcare. And it revealed some pretty crazy stats. So I'm going to read a couple of them to you. So 46% of Americans report sometimes or always feeling alone. And this number I found has actually doubled in the past 50 years, which is even crazier. 43% say they sometimes or always feel like their relationships are not meaningful. 20% say they rarely or never feel close to people. That's 20% saying they never feel close to people. 47% say they rarely or never have meaningful in-person interactions with others. Which to me, I'm looking at this and I'm seeing like uh, this picture of people wearing their masks and it's saying I'm perfect and we're smiling and literally you're having the most surface level conversation ever. And that seems exhausting and I've been there. I think we've all been there. And the last one, this is just crazy, 13% say zero people know them well. There's 13% of people saying zero people know me. Now that seems very isolating. And maybe those statistics surprise you, and maybe they don't. Maybe you have felt that loneliness and that disconnection before. And honestly, I have I have felt that before, so I get where these statistics are coming from. And I want to talk about vulnerability, because it's all about putting something down. It's all about losing something. But in order to lose something, you have to be vulnerable. So I feel like the perfect person that really talks about what vulnerability is and what it looks like is Paul from the Bible. And Paul actually wrote 13 books of the New Testament. And I love Paul, Um, he's such a complex character, um, but he actually was known for his traveling ministry. So he would travel all over and he would plant churches in the name of Jesus. And when he wasn't with those churches, he would always send them letters. He always stayed connected with them. He would write them letters of encouragement and of teachings. And in 2 Corinthians, this is when he wrote um, a letter to a church in Corinth. And I wanna focus on chapter 12, 
verse 7 through 10. But this chapter is all about, it starts with Paul basically saying, you know, he received a vision from God, but he's trying not to boast because he knows it, was, it wasn't him, it was God. So in verse 7, it says, so to keep me from becoming proud, I've given a, I was given a thorn in my flesh. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was giving a thorn in my flesh. Now, different versions of the Bible, it'll say thorn in the flesh. Some will say a thorn in the side. And people really don't know what that thorn is. So there's so many different scholars that have done so much research, and we don't really know what that thorn is. Some say um, it was a physical thorn in his side that he couldn't get out. Others say um, that Paul suffered from really bad headaches, so it was the headaches that he dealt with. Some say it was his epilepsy. Some say um, it was a weakness. And others said that it was his personal appearance because he was very weak looking. So whatever that thorn is in his side, he said he had a thorn in his side. And it was a messenger from Satan to torment him, to keep him from becoming proud. So then in verse 8, he says, I begged the Lord three different times to take it away. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. And I'm picturing what my version of Paul looks like. And I'm picturing him literally on a mountaintop with his hands in the air, literally begging God, begging God, Lord, please take this away. Lord, I, please, I'll, I'll, I'm begging you. I will do anything. I have your back. I spread your news. I'm planting churches in your name. Like, why me? You couldn't have given this to Peter? Like, literally, Peter, he denied you three times in front of your face, and I get this thorn in my side, like, for real? So I'm picturing him just, like, literally just having it out with God. And in verse 9, God says, he says, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So he says, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That is why I take pleasure in my weakness and the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, I am strong. And that is the most important thing in that whole passage. When I am weak, I am strong. So showing that we're flawed and that we're weak and we're human and that we have this dependence on God, that's actually showing how strong we are. And Paul, I mean, Paul tells us that. He went through the, he went through the stages of like, God, come on, take it away, take it away. Like, what can else I do to really just accepting that when he is weak, he is strong because that is when Christ is strong. Now, I think there's so many different ways as humans that we hide. I think we can hide behind achievement. We can hide behind maybe our, our, our paycheck, our fancy cars, our house, our awards that we win. Like there's so many ways to hide behind the achievement. As long as they see this, this picture, then they won't really see what's inside. I think we can hide behind humor. I mean, the more if I'm making jokes and giving out jabs and keep everybody laughing, no one's gonna see the real me, right? It's just going to be fun. Some of us hide behind distance. This could be physical. This could be emotional distance. And sometimes we tend to retreat from others so we don't have to be seen. So vulnerability. Vulnerability. We just need to stop from hiding. 
stop covering up and allow ourselves to be seen. We need to take off the mask and set it down. Now, I think there's a lot of different ways that maybe we, the reason why we don't show our vulnerable side. One, it sounds scary. To me, the word alone sounds scary. And looking at the definition, definition, it's actually even scarier. But I also think, I don't know if we truly understand it. I don't know if we truly understand what being vulnerable means. So as I was preparing this message, I came across um, an author. Um, her name is Brene Brown. And I actually realized that I've read one of her books lately. It was called Daring Greatly. So it's all about letting the walls down and being courageous. And um, she also has a lot of TED Talks. And she really has done a lot of research on vulnerability, what vulnerability is, what it looks like, why it's important. So I found this um, short clip of Brene Brown just kind of explaining her thought behind vulnerability. So take a look. So I think the biggest myth about vulnerability is that it's weakness. I think a lot of people were raised to believe that. It was modeled, I think, certainly in our culture. Um, we see that a lot, that to be vulnerable, to be open, to be exposed is to be weak. Um, and the truth is, you know, what I found in my research is that vulnerability is not weakness. In fact, I would argue that it's our greatest measure of courage. When we went out and asked people, what is vulnerability? We heard things like, Vulnerability is the first date after my divorce. Vulnerability is starting my own company. Vulnerability is taking responsibility for something that went wrong at work. Vulnerability is sitting with my wife who has stage three breast cancer and making plans for our young kids. Um, vulnerability is taking my business public. You know, the definition I use in my work of vulnerability is simply uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. Vulnerability is about the willingness to show up and to be seen even when there are no guarantees. And it's interesting to me, I mean, one of the things that I thought was really interesting, I gave a talk, um, it's probably a couple years now, and it was being translated by people doing American Sign Language, and they came up before the talk started, and they said, are there any words that you're going to use a lot in your talk that we should you know, know about that are might be different? And I said, well, I use the word vulnerability a lot. And they kind of, there were two of them, and they kind of looked at each other and they said, oh, we do, we do this for vulnerability. And I said, what does that mean? They said, it means weak in the knees. And I'm like, wow, that's not how I talk about vulnerability. And she said, well, there's only one other sign for vulnerability. And I said, what is it? And she said, and I said, oh, that's what I'm talking about. And so to me, vulnerability is our most accurate measure of courage. I mean, it's pretty powerful when I have 13,000 pieces of data collected over 12 years that I cannot find a single incident or story of courage that was not completely underpinned by vulnerability. I think the problem arises that it's, there are so many little paradoxes with vulnerability, and one of them is that vulnerability is courage in you, but weakness in me. When I meet you, it's the first thing I look for in you, but it's the last thing I wanna show you in me. And so I think to really put ourselves out there, knowing that if we do that enough, we're going to fail, I just don't think it gets more courageous than that. Okay. I love that because I know when I hear the word vulnerability for the first time, I automatically think weakness, the sign for weakness, like literally showing your true colors and that's just being weak. I mean, when we grow up, we were told to like have 
thick skin and be tough and not really show who you are. And that's honestly the opposite of what Jesus tells us to do. He doesn't, it's not weakness, it's courage. That's what it is. It's, it's the ultimate courage. Now, I love what Dave does when he talks. He always has like a call to action. He always has a challenge of, okay, this is what I speak about. This is what I'm I'm teaching you about, but now then go. Like, I want you to like apply this to your everyday world. And I want to do the same. So I want to issue a vulnerable challenge, if you will, vulnerability challenge. So I want us to think about people in our lives that we are close to. People that we're close to. Now, this could be your spouse. This could be your best friends, your inner circle, your family, your small group. Who are the people that you're closest to in your world? Or I want you to think about the people you long to be close to. Is it your spouse? Is it your small group, your friends, your family? Are you longing to be close to them that you're just not feeling it? So I want you to think about the people that you're close to or that you long to be close to. And the first one is, when answer, answer people honestly when they ask how you are. Okay, that seems simple, right? Answer people honestly when they ask how you are. I literally did this like 10 times today, literally already this morning. People said, how are you? And I'm like, I'm good, thanks, how are you? When really, you guys, to be honest, we had a backup plan <laughs> of how I was gonna get through this message today because my whole family has been just hit with the stomach bug. So I'm up here just literally waiting for it to happen. So if you guys see me run on the stage, that is off the stage, that is why. So I could have told people like, I'm not well, I'm literally gonna vomit at any point, but I don't know where our relationship is for me to say that to you guys, but um, literally that's how I'm feeling right now, okay? Just, just to let you all know. Um, but we all have our go-to answer. We have our go-to answer, I'm fine, thanks, how are you? Why do we say that? Because half the time, you know we don't mean it. Now, I'm talking about being honest with the people that are close to you, okay? Now, when you're, when you're checking on at Kroger and the guy says, how are you? I don't want you to spill your guts. That's weird, okay? Now, unless you have that relationship with him, by all means, go. Just do it. But don't hold up the line. But um, So I'm talking about the people that you're close to, okay? The people you're close to or you long to be close to. Be honest, And that may sound like, you know what, I'm okay, but I'm really stressed about this. I'm okay, but I think I'm going to vomit at any minute, okay? So that's what you need to be honest about. The second one is admit a weakness. Admit a weakness, and this is hard for most of us. Who wants to admit that they're weak? No one. No one. No one wants to admit they're weak. And honestly, I mean, how many times have we used our admitting our weakness as kind of like a humble brag? Like, can you, like, in an interview, have you guys ever, like, conducted an interview or an interview and the person's like, what's your weakest part? And you're like, I just work too hard. (laughs) Or I just care too much. And you're thinking, okay, Nancy, that's not true. You know, so admit your weakness. What are are you really weak about? And you know what? The, The cool thing is when you admit your weakness to the people that are close to you, it's kind of like an accountability thing. They can look for signs and help you and guide you in the right direction when they're seeing those things. So admit where you are weak. Third thing is, and this is kind of a different one, give a compliment. This seems different than the first two, but it's so important, give a compliment. I don't know about you, and I'm gonna speak for myself. It is easier for me to give a compliment to a girl I see at Target saying, I love your shoes, where did you get them? 
versus me and my husband going on a date night and I say, you look so handsome tonight. Why is that so hard? Is this, I don't know. I just feel like it's harder to give a compliment to someone you don't even know versus like your spouse or someone you're close to saying, you look so handsome tonight. Because here's the thing. We are each other's people. So if it's your spouse or a best friend or your small group, we should be life-giving to them. We need to be life-giving in everything that we say, including compliments. A couple of things you can do, and this is just kind of random generic things. You can send a text to friends saying, hey, I've been thinking about you, how are you? Okay, we just had Valentine's Day. I'm sure most of us gave cards to loved ones, to spouses, to friends. Maybe write something else besides your name, you know, besides what Hallmark has to say. Now, Jeff and I, we always are really good at cards. We're good at cards. We don't really do gifts, but we always give cards. And I will write like a whole paragraph of how I'm feeling. And um, Jeff normally does the same, but I will say... There was one Valentine's Day. It was before Finn was born, and he gave me a card, and he read his, and I open it, and I see Jeff. I was so mad. He said, it just said, Jeff. Like, Hallmark wrote something, but he just wrote Jeff. And I don't really remember. I think I blacked out. I think I threw the card at him. I don't think we talked for days, but I was so upset. I'm like, really? Jeff, that's all you have to say? So write a little something else. It does mean a lot, I promise you. So be life-giving to the people that you love. Lastly, speak up about a hurt. Speak up about a hurt. This one's hard for me. Speak up about a hurt. When someone accidentally or intentionally hurts you, whether that be a friend or a family matter, speak up about it. Now, I'm not saying go back guns a-blazing and attack That's not what God wants us to do, but he wants us to be honest about how we're feeling. You know what? Hey, you said this and it really hurt me, and I just want to tell you how I'm feeling. It's being vulnerable, and it helps mend those relationships. So speak up about a hurt. So I want you to try one of those things. Okay, four things. Just try once, one thing this week. You can try, you can start the guy at at Kroger. If that makes you feel more comfortable, kind of easing into things. But I want to kind of end with like a story. So we, um, my husband and I um, started coming to Connect about a year after they launched. We, came, we started coming in 2014. And I remember um, we were new to the whole church scene, but we were longing for connection. We were longing for connection. So we said, let's join a small group. Let's try a small group, okay? So we joined a small group. And for those of you who have been in a small group um, with Connect, by the way, if you don't, you should find a small group because literally that is life-changing alone. But um, we do this thing where we get to know each other and we want to kind of know each other's story and um, it's called community. So we go through community and every couple has um, their, their time to share. So it's Jeff and I's time to share and I don't know what it is about sharing your story, but like when I start talking, the floodgates just open. Like, I am just an ugly mess. I don't know if it's just being vulnerable or sharing the parts that aren't so pretty, but I become just a mess. And I'm sobbing, and I'm telling my story, and then it's Jeff's turn, and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to hear this. This will be so good for him. And all I hear is surface level, surface level, surface level, and I'm thinking, I'm sorry, who are you? Like, this is not your story at all. But I let it go because this is Jeff's story and he needs to share it when he's ready. 
Time goes by, we do community again, okay? So some people left, we added new people, so we do community, so it's time to share our story. And I do the same thing, I'm sharing my story, I'm crying, there's mascara all over my face, and I've said this story before, but I just can't contain it, I can't hold it in. So then Jeff's, it's Jeff's turn, okay? And I'm so excited, I'm like, oh, I really feel like he's just gonna like really give it all. And all I hear is, wah, 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 wah. like surface story, surface story, surface story, and I'm like, got to be kidding me. I'm over there rolling my eyes. I'm like, this is just a joke. Why are you even here, honestly? Third time rolls around. You guys, we do community a lot. We had some changes in our small group. So third time rolls around. We're doing community again. My floodgates open. I'm a mess. I'm crying. I'm crying. I'm crying. Typical me. And I'm already annoyed, okay? You know, women, we know. Like, when you know what's going to happen with your husband, you've seen this, and you're already annoyed. You're already mad. So my eyes are rolling, and Jeff's telling his story, and I'm ready for his surface-level story, and he starts telling his true story. He starts telling his true story, some things that he's dealt with in his past, some hurt that he's had, and why he is who he is today. And here's the thing. I think, again, my floodgates started opening at the time. I'm like, oh, thank you, God. But I have never been so proud of him. But he was ready to share his story on his own time. Not my time. My time was literally years ago. His time was Jeff's time. And he told his story when he had enough trust built up and he knew that he could let his walls down. He shared his story when he was ready to be vulnerable around these people. And he just told something that was really hard for him to say. And I was so proud of him. But this just shows how vulnerability just really shapes things and and really molds connections. And when people see your true colors and who you are, things just change. Relationships just change. So what is our thorn? What's our thorn in our side? Is it a weakness? Is it a hurt in our past? Is it that we are just so imperfect that we just don't want people to see it even though everybody else is just as imperfect as we are? Like what is it? What is that thorn that we try to cover up that we don't want people seeing? Like I have many. I have many thorns in my side. And even for me, it's hard to uncover those, but I know when I have trust with people and I I can open up to them, that's when relationships really start forming. But we need to know that in order to really let our loved ones in, we have to put something down. We have to lose something. Last week, we talked about submission. We have to lose our selfishness in order for that other person to win. Let's lose our mask. Whatever that mask is that we're wearing, the one that we wear to church or the one we wear out on a Friday night or to work on Monday, let's lose the mask because that is when our walls come down, we can become vulnerable, and that's when we can be our true self. And that's when God works the most in us. God is weak, or sorry, God is strong when we are weak. We are strong when we are weak, but we can only be weak when we lay it down and we lose the mask. And I think our loved ones, I know our loved ones deserve the true and real us. 
So again, I, I, I challenge you to take this um, vulnerability challenge seriously and just try one of these things this week because you will see relationships start forming. And again, we have to lose something in order to gain something else. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Lord, thank you for keeping it all together with me and just, Lord, being with me. And, Lord, I just, I, I just pray for everybody here, Lord. Um, we're humans. We tend to wear masks, and um, we just need to know that, Lord, you're all we need. We need to understand and know, Lord, that your grace is sufficient enough for us. We need to know, Lord, that when we're weak, that's when we're strong because that's when you are just doing your thing, Lord, and that's what we need to trust. Lord, just please help us this week, the today, and as we go through the week of just like let, just letting our mask down, Lord, letting us be our true self and letting others see the light and your Holy Spirit inside of us. I pray this today and I pray this every day. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys, thank you so much. Have a good week and we'll see you guys next Sunday.